How you doing, everybody? Tim from Ski Racks Media coming at you again with our weekly get-together here to talk about the industry, whether it be recreational skiing on this side or that side or wherever you might be recreational skiing, snowboarding, or other snow sports, and the professionals. We've talked to professionals here, and this year, we this year, this week, we have an, an international competing racer. A racer out there looking for those points to qualify for the Olympics. Benjamin Alexander. That's who we're talking about this week. And we'll get more into that in a minute. And because I'm kind of excited for this one, I think you'll like it too. I really enjoyed this one. Um, we're going to get through the shameless plugs quickly, but I have to do them. Got to do them because I need to make sure that you are subscribed. If the word is subscribed in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube or Rumble or follow or the little heart, whatever it is, please subscribe, hit the like buttons, um, leave me comments, rate it. If you can, Apple podcast, five-star ratings on Apple podcast, uh, a few of them now. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you could do all that stuff, please, I would appreciate it. Comments are always welcome. DMs as well about the podcast. Let me know what's going on, what you'd like to see, what you thought, what you'd like to hear. Um, I'm also looking for guest ideas for people you'd like to hear from and sending out those emails um, each day. Let me know all of that. And again, DMs are across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All four of those, you can get to SkiRexMedia.com as well. Or you can go to SkiRexMedia.com as well to uh, find contact links, including ski Rex for the number four ever at gmail.com. And then when you're done doing all that, getting in touch, head over to Patreon or ski Rex media Pick up yourself a shirt, take a look and see what we got or a hat, something like that, a hoodie, check all that out. Show your fandom drive, drive, drive the name and, and throw a little support this way. And we can keep making ski Rex media bigger, better and better, but it doesn't get much bigger than getting an international racer on the program. And this week we have Benjamin Alexander looking to be the first alpine skier to represent Jamaica at um, the Olympics coming up in Beijing. How good is that? How awesome is that? How great is that? What? And it's a great story, too, because not only, I mean, people do, and we talk about this. I wasn't going to. But I've seen other people do it, so I brought it up. I had to ask about people like to compare his story and what they know about the Jamaican bobsled team back in 88 and then the movie Cool Runnings. We talk all about that. We talk about his life, what he's doing, why, where he came from. This guy was spinning. He was a DJ, international DJ. He's been and performed at Burning Man. We talk all about that, too. Interesting story and a few other things. We kind of go left and right a few times. Typical of a Ski Rex Media podcast interview, right? Right. Let's get into the interview with, oh God, I just sounded like a, like a stereotypical YouTuber. Let's get into, no, we're going to go to the interview now with Benjamin Alexander. I really like this one. I like doing it. I hope you really like listening or watching it. Hashtag watching and I'll see you on the other side of it. Enjoy. Joining us this week, I, I think, I think is our first pro racer, Olympic bound, straight up pro racer, um, Benjamin Alexander, sir. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. I love the getup. I think you're wearing that because I'm in Lapland. Uh, you know what? I hadn't thought of it at as that yet uh, at that <laughs> point. I, 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 I've been trying to be festive over here. I've been known as a Scrooge and a Grinch and a whatever through the years. So I'm like, I'm going to get festive. Friend of mine made my Santa hat. and But nice. yeah. He's definitely over there in Scandinavia where it's been dark almost all day already. Uh, you were saying before we started recording, it, it kind of throws you off a little bit. And I get it. Um, shoot, getting dark at four o'clock here throws me off. So yeah. let's get into it with, 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 this, with this fine gentleman here. This is Benjamin Alexander, sir. 
what what is your what just tell them what you're doing just a quick overview of what you do yeah the 30 second overview so i'm <laughs> on a historic bid to become the first ever alpine ski racer to represent the nation of jamaica at the next winter olympics uh, a lot of people have found interest in my story not only because of the parallels with the cool running story and the 1988 bobsled team but also because i uh you know, came to skiing in a roundabout fashion for, through my life as a DJ on the road. I spent uh, 10 years on the road as an international DJ, performed across five continents and over 30 countries. And so I didn't get to skiing until I was 32. So here we are six years later on my way to the Olympics. That's awesome. Now, <laughs> starting as a DJ, which is an interesting job anyway, especially if you're into the EDM scene and whatnot. Yeah. Um, for my Las Vegas friends out there, you've all been to, well, not all of you, but some of you have been to EDC, things like this, Burning Man, Upstate, all that other stuff, um, which Burning Man, I think you were at, right? Yeah, yeah, every year for the last decade. See, he so he knows his deal. How Now, going from that to Ski World, it's still travel, but it, it's got to be different. It's got to be weird, or maybe not weird, but something very very similar in so many ways which is kind of strange but very different in so many others um there are many days including today where i look at the clock and it's 4 p.m and i'm like is it too early to go to bed whereas my dj life especially when i was living in ibiza i would be waking up at 10 p.m to go to dinner at like you know almost midnight to get into the club for 3 a.m and maybe get home after the after party of the after party at like 4 or 6 p.m. the following day to catch a few hours sleep and do it all again. Now, like I said, waking up at the crack of dawn and wanting to be back in bed again by 5 p.m., 6 p.m. to try and get a good amount of sleep to let my body rest and heal up for the next day. Absolutely. Now, I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not saying I know much about that scene. I don't. But which one's more physically demanding? I mean, the overnight shift, I've done that before, but between that lifestyle and this lifestyle, which is actually more physically demanding? <laughs> Mentally, I would say the DJing, for sure. The ah. waking, up, waking up in a different time zone, in a different part of the world, in a different hotel room, it's very discombobulating. Um, the skiing is physically so demanding. I mean... There have been many times in my life where I've done 60 days of consecutive skiing, 100 days of consecutive skiing, but that's just kind of leisure skiing, point the skis down the hill and just stop at the bottom, grab a beer. Training on the ice surfaces that we do on these big old 30-meter turning radius skis just takes so much out of you that by the time you've done six or eight or ten training runs on a 700-vert hill, you're just like, I'm done. I'm done for the day. That's it. That's all I got. It's crazy. It's so different. Um, so yeah, uh, skiing is really, really physically demanding. Absolutely. I mean, even as a recreational skier, like I'm in no position to ever say I could race anyone, but it can be physically demanding. Now with that, starting at 32, now that's an interesting thing. Most of the kids who are looking to achieve a goal like this, they start at age one and they've yeah. been doing it. What is a, what is that like starting late? I hope nobody was making fun of you. Like you're the old guy. And B, um, you know, to the physical demanding part, we know as we get older, the body can't take the punishment as readily as we like when you're 20, you can take some punishment when you're 30, little, a little yeah. less and a little less. How, how does that all work going in at 32? So, no, I didn't get anyone kind of cracking jokes of me. I think <laughs> one of the interesting things about the people that ski at a young age is they're typically privileged in one of three ways. And I don't mean that in the kind of 
bad way that everyone is throwing the word privilege around. But a sure. lot of those people are geographically privileged. They grow up at the foothills of a mountain, right? So it's right there. Of sure. course, they're going to ski. Uh, the other two groups are a little bit more privileged. Maybe your parents ski, or maybe you just have a lot of disposable income. So you hang around with families that go to skiing holidays in, in expensive parts of the world. And I didn't tick any of those boxes as a kid. And it wasn't until through DJing that I saw my friends do this thing called skiing. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. So everyone's been really cool and supportive of it, regardless of, of, of my late coming to the sport. And then with regards to the, yeah, the physicality of it, you've just got to know when to say, I don't want to do that. Um, my legs are feeling tired. Um, I don't want to ski in those conditions with these type of race skis. There's too much powder around. As you get older, you've got to calculate the risk reward equation and be more willing to say, I don't care what you think of me, but I'm not going to take that risk, especially for someone such as myself that's on a two-year accelerated course to get to the Olympics. One big crash could take me off of that path. And I, you know, I'm tens of thousands of dollars into this project and two years of my life doing something sure. stupid one day to throw the whole thing into disarray. So yeah, it's about being a little bit smarter. When we're younger, it's all about how fast can we go? How high can we jump? What are the things we can jump off of? As you get older, it's like, Got nothing to prove, but I'm focused on this thing over here. I love that. I I say that all the time. I got nothing to prove to anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. You do you. I'm over here. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Now, also starting late, and I read I was I was I was I was going through Ben's uh website uh here. We could put pop it up. Uh come on, there we go. Benji.ski, B-E-N-J-I dot S K I. Um, plenty of more information about Benjamin here, like all, all you could ever want to know and then some, and it's pretty interesting. Now, if I read correctly and part of my memory, even though I looked at this again, just like a half an hour ago, <laughs> part of my memory, if I get this wrong, but there was something when you, when the decision came about, was there a story with your father or what was it? I can't remember. Um, um like he was there. Shoot. No, there's no, I mean, my father hasn't been so active in this. Uh, are you talking about maybe the Gordon Gray story when I met the uh, the professional ski racer back in 2019 who helped me that out? That might be. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, I right. apologize for that. Just kind yeah. Of no, that's okay. I mean, my father hasn't been so involved. I I actually invited him to come and spend a couple of days in Lapland. Right now, he's never seen me ski, and he's never been to a place where there's snow like this on the ground. And sure. uh, his instant response was just, "No, it's too cold," and he shut me down. So, wow, <laughs> he, he might not. Uh, he might not see me. And I've just got a beep to say that there might be the northern lights visible tonight. So that's great. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you the Gordon Gray story because it's a good one. At the beginning yeah. of 2019, right after I'd retired from DJing, I decided, okay, let's go and spend a month on the mountain. Let's just go and ski and see if there's any validity to this crazy idea. And I honestly thought the most likely outcome was going to be a broken bone, serious injury, or worse. I just sure. love to go fast. So maybe on my third day of skiing out there, I meet this guy, Gordon Gray. He's a former Europa Cup ski racer, skied for the United States. So, you know, top tier. This is like one level below World Cup, but you're still ranked two, top 200 in the world to get there. And I said to him, I have this crazy idea. I don't know what it takes, but I'm thinking about making a bid to go to the Olympics, but I need some support, some kind of like a professional to tell me what's up. He says, okay, I've never seen you ski, so let's go. We ski for the morning, and at lunchtime, he pulls me aside and says, okay, Benji, I'll be blunt. Your skiing is absolutely atrocious. Your technique <laughs> is the worst I've ever seen. But he says, wow. no, okay. So you told me you've had about 25 days of skiing in your life and two lessons. 
this is to complete this is to be expected you don't learn this stuff by osmosis sure. and then he pauses and, and says but what i can't fathom what i can't figure out for the life of me is how the hell you're keeping up with me i've skied my entire life since i was two i represented my country at the highest levels All you're right. absolutely fearless and actually that was the moment where i won him over as a supporter of mine and he's like i think fearlessness is maybe more important than technique we can teach you technique but you can't be taught fearlessness and he was the guy that helped me understand the whole system of qualification understanding where my skills or lack thereof would be best suited for which discipline which is why we settled on giant slalom and mm -hmm. he's great we speak every so often and he's been like a really important person in this whole story that's so incredible and that's interesting that he and now you are bringing up the fearlessness and again to tie that back to getting started a little later than a lot yeah. of people when you get older you get afraid like i know it i i just went through it and it, it, you know but you're still out there just and going i yeah. love that i love that so you have a you now you have a, a a pro someone who's good telling you it can be done so you're in it now. You you said he, they helped you pick the uh, that he helped you pick uh, the, your discipline. GS is that yeah. the only place you're living, or are you doing like downhill, super G, anything else? Yeah. So it's interesting. The 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 uh, Olympic qualification for the speed events, so downhill and su and super G, are literally ten times harder than that for the tech disciplines, right? Of slalom and, and giant slalom. Sure. And out of the two, I really enjoy going fast. Um, and obviously, giant slalom is faster than, to, than the uh, than slalom, and a little less technical. And so we settled on that as my as my target. Um, because I had such a short time frame to do this, as I said, we decided let's throw all of our eggs, keep all of our eggs in one basket, and just go for for success in GS. So that's that's what I'm doing. Very good. That hey man, if that works, do it. I'm excited to see you go. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be very interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, because again, you know, when a country goes or a person goes to represent a country or a nation that isn't typically part of snow sports or vice versa, a very winter country that's in uh, summer sports, um, it's always very interesting. Um, I did see. I got to ask this. It's been bugging me since uh, I got first contacted by by you and your your, your people. Um, is it bug you that people are making the cool runnings thing, like doing the cool runnings big? It seems cheesy and corny to me. Like I saw a couple headlines with you that say, oh, cool runnings in 2021 and 2022. I was like, bro, that movie's 30 years old. Yeah, it's almost. Yeah, it'll be 30 years old in, uh, in a year and a half. Actually, no, I don't mind it. We live in this world where people are so time poor that I actually feel blessed that I can explain my story with the it's cool runnings, but 2022, it makes, it actually makes my life a lot harder. It's almost like when you listen to, I listen to a lot of uh, technology podcasts. A lot of my friends live in podcast, uh, live in technology, in the technology world. When you can explain something by saying, well, it's the Uber of, I don't know, food delivery, or it's the Uber of something else. People sure. get it instantly and it just makes sense. And so I've been blessed wow. by that association. And what's interesting, one of my friends has been to the last two winter Olympics and he says, look, in the opening ceremony, the biggest cheer is always for the the home nation. So Korea last time and Russia the time before. He said, but the second biggest cheer is always for Jamaica. And there just seems to be this kind of cool thing, you know, no pun intended, cool runnings, but there seems to be this thing <laughs> still around Jamaica's participation in the Winter Games that just garners a lot of the media attention and support. So I feel blessed to have the uh, the connection. And, you know, I love the movie growing up. and. 
I'm not only oh, in yeah. contact with some of the actors from the movie, but also I'm in contact with the uh, the pilot from the 1988 bobsled team is one of my mentors. And I saw that too. I was just about to bring that up. Dudley Stokes, man. What's that yeah. like? That's awesome. It's so, you know, this guy basically wrote the book on doing outlandish things for a Caribbean nation in the winter games, right? Yeah. Who is the most famous bobsled team of all time? The Jamaican team. I can't I Absolutely. can't name a single bobsled athlete, right? But the Jamaican right. bobsled team are the most famous. So having someone like that that has swum against the current, swum against the stream, and, and had some success with it, what the Disney movie didn't tell was that they kept going back to the Olympics. And yeah. I think in 96, their fourth time, they were outperforming teams with 10x their budget. And Jamaica has fielded a bobsled team nearly every Olympics, I think 2010 was the one that they missed where they didn't qualify, whether it was male or female, but a bobsled team has been representing Jamaica at every Olympic game since. So, I mean, the legacy of that is super cool. And we have a, uh, a team right now that's over in uh, Lake Placid on the cusp of qualifying again for 2022. Sure. Wow. I didn't know they were over at Lake Placid. That's only like three hours from here. I feel like I want to go yeah. take a look at that, man. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, and that is great. And I think part of it is, again, a Caribbean nation you don't think of big mountains and you don't think of snow and there, there are snow. It's a snow sport, just like downhilling. Yeah. Um, has anybody questioned you on it? Looked at you kind of cross-eyed like, wait, what? Like, like as I said, are you insane? Like, what are you doing? And I, I, I don't think you should ask that. I think it's kind of a silly thing to say, but has anybody come at you like that? It's good to ask the stupid question sometimes. And I get asked that quite often and I appreciate that. And there are many times yep. where I'm in, you know, the middle of nowhere, like where I've just come from in Sweden, I think to myself, what am I doing here? Right. And you just have to have those moments where it's a reality check. And I'm like, well, no, I'm doing this thing that I really enjoy. And it's, it's super cool. I mean, following up with the cool runnings thing, I met one of the coaches to the Cyprus ski team uh, about two nice. months ago. And we were chatting, of course, cool runnings always comes up as soon as I say Jamaica. He said, do you know what? I use that movie. I show it to my young athletes to show that you don't have to have mountains or snow in your country to get to the Winter Games. And That's so, awesome. you know, the legacy and the power of that movie goes way beyond just, you know, a few a few cheap jokes on the TV screen for a couple of hours. That That's awesome. That That's amazing. And that works great. Um, if, if people can get it, again, Cyprus, not known for, you know, winter stuff, you yeah. know, it's, you know, um, where it is geographically. So then... We're, so we're, we're building up here. Now we get, you know, we come to you and you're doing it. You made the decision to do it. How's it been going, man? Have you been doing all right? Have you been running qualifiers? Where do you sit? Where do you, you know, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's going good. So I had my first ever race last January and I just kind of threw myself into a race. Any of your listeners that uh, know anything about racing, uh, I'll get a tiny bit technical for a second, but basically sure, I was for. using the old which is a 35 meter turning radius instead of the 30 meter. So it's basically like, I don't know, five times harder to bend. I was also in basically a sports touring boot, which if you know the forces laterally that you need to put onto that ski with the boot, anything that's got a walk mode, just forget about it. It has to be a proper <laughs> World Cup plug boot. But I just sure. threw myself into races. Yeah, I just threw myself into races just to see what 160 fist points look like. I wanted mm -hmm. to have that reality check with myself to see what qualification looked like and to tell myself in my heart of hearts, either that's achievable, which I thought it was, or that's not achievable, I should stop wasting my time. So the sure. first few races were just kind of like a suck it and see. Then the pandemic hit. Um, I had 11 months away from competition. You know, we, we all know the story over the last uh, couple of years. 
Uh, yeah, had totally. Some good races last year. Finally got onto some really good equipment from uh, from a proper ski brand. Um, and now I've probably had some of the best coaching in my life over the last six months. I've spent half of the last six months in Austria training with the best. Um, nice. And now I'm in the race season. So things are going to get really exciting. I've got two races tomorrow here in Finland, nice. which I hope to do well at. And then things get a little better as we go into Bosnia and Montenegro. Um, the, the arbitration that I'm playing is go to the strongest nations for skiing and to get to get training from them and suck up all the tips and the, the, the skills and qualities. Yeah. And then go to some of the easier nations for the competition so I can qualify. Nice. Hey, if you got a plan, you got a yes. plan. And just 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 the fact that you're doing it boggles my mind because I know a little about racing. I know a little about racing. I'm not super technical of into it or about it. I don't try to be the try hard guy who thinks he knows everything because I don't. And even if I did, I couldn't remember it anyway. But I think it's just amazing that you're going for it. You have a plan and you're you're, you're working the plan like I, like I, it's almost like. You, you can't go wrong out there. And I'm not trying to jinx anything here or, or throw like <laughs> monkey wrenches, but it, it just seems to work so well. And again, anybody out there, I'm sure you can see these races televised somewhere, whether it be locally, online, wherever it is. Take a look, yeah. watch Ben Ski. That is fantastic. So you got the plan. What is so what do you need total to qualify? And then how close are you? Yeah. So the way that it works is it's not a cumulative thing i can't throw money at this and just go to every single race and pick up a couple of points and eventually i'm over the finish line it's sure. purely performance based i have to finish within a certain threshold of the the winning uh, the winners uh, and that obviously changes depending on how good the winners are and a few other factors um in my best race result to date which was in minnesota last uh, oh no this march i was okay. seven seconds yeah it was super cold. I was seven <laughs> seconds off of qualification pace, but I've done 60% of all of my race training has happened in the last six months. So I'm a matter of seconds faster than I was before I got to Austria in, in May. The question is, am I three seconds? Am I 10 seconds? I'm somewhere in that range. So now it's just a case of getting out there and getting some good races where I'm over that threshold, basically. And I need to do that five times in the next seven months. Uh, oh, wow. I have, and I have eight races before Christmas. So it's quite a packed schedule. Wow. That is a wicked packed schedule. That's like yeah. two weeks. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I won't keep you talking all night since it's late there. You're going to need some sleep, dude. Holy smokes. So you've been training all over. Like you said, you're going places to train, going places to learn, going places to compete. One of the places that Ski Rex media fans and listeners have seen saw you was very recently um, as a he was in in pursuit of soul the TGR indie pass uh, film and we love indie pass here we I love it I love Doug Fish I love the whole thing and your segment yeah. you were at Snow King Wyoming how was that nice small place there you know Snow King's great um, it is north facing which means it's super cold but that's great mm -hmm. because it keeps the snow really good. It's got about 1,500 feet of vert. We train on the bottom half of that. And so I've never queued for a chairlift once in Snow King. Um, <laughs> and it's just a fantastic place to train. And then, of course, just uh, 20 minutes away, you've got Jackson Hole, the mountain resort, the big guy, uh, if yeah. you want to play around in some of the bigger terrain out there. So being in Jackson is just phenomenal. I've, I've loved it. 
That is awesome. And it seems, again, going through your website like I was, you have been all over for training, like not just the names you're bringing up that people know for competition and the competition, you know, the FIS schedule. But like I said, Snow King, nobody's heard of that. Um, not downing the place. It's just yeah, not yeah. it's not just it's not big like Jackson Hole. Everybody knows Jackson Hole and their tram and Corbett's and all this and that. Yeah. Nobody knows where Snow King is. I know it because Indy Pass, but whatever. Um, you've how many places have you been keeping count? of all the places you've ended up or are you just like next place is next place? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. I should count how many places they've skied in. One that you'd like the sound of is Red Lodge, Montana. Mm. That was I've heard one. of Red Lodge. Yeah. I did yeah. some training out there. That was great. I, I, I've heard that place is awesome. It's a little too high for my taste. Me and altitude, we right. don't mix, but yeah. um, <laughs> damn man, it, that, that you've been all over. What's your favorite place so far? Europe, America, wherever, it doesn't matter. Ooh. Whatever. What's your favorite? It's, it's a joint toss up between Jackson and Revelstoke in Canada. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been up to Revelstoke. They love it up there. It's really special. They've got 5,700 feet of vertical drop um it's 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 a lot quieter than the big mountains in the u.s uh because it's a little bit tricky to get to but that's good because mm. it means that you can just you know rack up hot laps uh and i hold the record for the most amount of vert skied in one day over there <laughs> oh really i missed that look at that he hasn't even made the olympics yet he's already breaking records like you can't beat this kid <laughs> to heck with Schifrin. Who cares how good she is? This is a better story. No, I love her. She's great. Um, yeah. Is she? I don't know. Um, never talked to her. Anyway, um, so you got all these places you've been. Um, where Now, I think I read you are from originally, though, the UK. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I was born just outside of London. Um, okay. My father, who's the Jamaican parent. Uh, came over to England in 1961. Lots of lots of Jamaicans moved over to England in that period, late 50s, early 60s, uh, in part because of the labor shortages, because so many people died in the Second World War. So England just opened their arms up and said, anyone from the colonies or the former colonies, like, come over here and find a better life for yourselves and, and work. So yeah, my father got there right before his fifth birthday. Uh, and wow. he's as English as an English breakfast, you know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's so great and um so what's what are the rules governing that this this might be kind of a, a left a left to the left question but what are the rules governing that because we have like um goodness i can't remember his name he is a he skis for great britain or whatever it is the name in the olympics is now i forget um a freestyle skier can't remember but he's also american his one of his parents is american one of the parents was english i think it was his mother i cannot remember his name but he was skiing in the u.s or skiing for the u.s yeah. and then went back um what's the rules there are you can you just go back and forth or does the ioc have to approve you what, what's going on there yeah good question so you have to have citizenship in for the country that you're trying to represent and a passport um and if you do swap there's a two-year buffer so you can't just like be in the World Cup for one country one year and then being the World Cup for a different country the next year. They insist that you take two year out of that top level of competition. So, you know, I've interacted with Sarah Schlepper, who's like super famous over there in America. She represented you guys four times at the Olympics and she's married to a Mexican, a great guy. I met him as well at Solden and Sarah raced in Solden. And so she decided she wanted to continue her Olympic career. Um, and she has a Mexican passport by virtue of her husband. And now she's the, you know, the poster child 
for a whole nation of people that weren't that into skiing before. But now here you have a four-time Olympian, now a five-time Olympian for Mexico, and she's qualified again to be there uh, next year. So it's, there's a lot of really interesting human interest stories like that out there when you dig a little deeper into the Olympic, uh, Olympic story. Absolutely. And that that is very interesting. Like I know some people aren't as interested in the paperwork and stuff as they are just the athletes and the events. But to me, I think that's very interesting. I mean, like in American sports and I'm sure professional sports around the world, you know, it's really just is a contract here in one city yeah. one week. Next week you play in for somebody else. Pick your sport. Doesn't matter. Sure. Um, but on Olymp uh, international levels, it's different. And, and there you go. So, you know, this. This fine gentleman whose accent is very obvious is, you know, skiing for, you know, Jamaica, which is just great. And I, I assume you've been down there. It's, you know, I've never been to Jamaica, so I don't know anything about it, but um, it's nice there. You like it? <laughs> it's awesome. I, um, I spent three months down there, maybe three and a half months there last year. I was figuring out what to do as a result of the pandemic, just shutting off a lot of options. I planned to go to Chile and get more skiing in, right? This is all about time on mountain. Uh, and I yeah. planned to go there via via Jamaica. And the borders to the Southern Hemisphere never opened up. So I was like, well, this is a great time to really just explore and get to learn more about this, 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 this country that I'm representing. And it was fantastic. I mean, a lot of the stereotypes are true. The weather is great. The beaches are great. The beer is cold. The people are cool. Like all of those things ring true. Yeah. So it was it was an awesome experience. That's incredible. That is awesome. And like you said, time on mountain is great. Um, you've been able to get down, you know, well, again, two, last couple of years, nobody's been able to get anywhere. Um, yeah. It's been very difficult. Um, and, yeah. you know, international athletes have been, just been like, goodness, the World Cup tour didn't even come. You know, all the stops in the U.S. were, you know, Canceled. axed last yeah. year. And, you know, we just got our first race, couple of races the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um so that and a bunch of those were canceled, right? For weather. Yeah, one of the Killington races was canceled. The uh the hey, women let's up talk there. about that. You know, Michaela hey. comes down a second and a half later than everyone else, and the wind kind of kicks in in Killington. It's a home field advantage. <laughs> I'm saying, I am absolutely saying, you know what? I'm not saying I believe in conspiracy theory, and in the 21st century, <laughs> it's not something you should talk about often, but he's not wrong. She comes down. She's sitting in fifth, I think, out of five people. She was in fifth, you know, the, yeah. the America's princess. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, yeah. call it. It's like, dude, give her yeah. a chance, man. <laughs> it was brutal up there, though. Uh, I, I live 30 yeah, miles sure. from there. And uh, I'm not, I, I, you know what? If someone wants to call cheating, that's fine. I'm with it. It wasn't that bad, I don't think. But they are a lot higher up than me. And then the next day, she came out and smoked everybody on the slalom. Yeah. On yeah. second run, poor Petra uh, Vlova, man, she's great too. And just wow, watching those two, let me tell you. And Ben, this this will actually lead to a question. As you've been now in on that side of the fence, racing, but racing, ski racing, I get why some people don't like to watch it on television. To watch it in person is ridiculous. It is so amazing. It is so exciting. The crowds are just as whacked out as for like football or or yeah. soccer or 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 hockey, whatever it is. Basketball people love basketball. What is it like now, having been on the spectator side, and now you get to be the spectated? What's that like? Well, actually, the, that brings up a really important point. When you're watching, uh, you know, World Cup ski race on TV. There's just for most people, 
And even for most skiers, there's just no concept of how difficult this thing is that they're doing is, right? Those sure. double inject, yeah, those double injected, super firm, hard, icy surfaces. And they're carving down these 40 degree pitches. Like it is insane what they're able to do. And I think a big part of the reason why the sport is, is losing popularity on TV and why it's a lot more fun to see in real life than on the TV is because it's just so hard to explain how complicated that is. There's an awesome video on YouTube that all of your viewers would love to see. It's where they open up oh. Kitzbühel after the race is finished. And you see literally everyone comes out of that start gate and immediately first turn they're on their butts and just sliding down because they have no concept of how, how difficult it is. I've sliced my hand open. I have a nice scar right now. I've sliced yeah. my hand open so many times on my skis because that's just how sharp they need to be. Um, so that's that's my comment on that. What is it like being on the other side? Well, none of my races yet have been of that scale, World Cup scale. Like I went to Solden as a spectator, as I said, and there were 6,000 people. It's usually 20. They limit it to six because of COVID. But 6,000 sure. people all drinking beer and glue vine from 8 in the morning and just getting trashed. And as you said, cheering like it's their favorite football team. And that was my first time ever experiencing that. And I'm super excited to experience that when I get to the Olympics or get to some of my bigger races. I haven't had that opportunity to, to be the, the performer in, the, in front of a big crowd yet, other than my DJ life, of course. Sure. Sure. And I can only imagine it's going to, it's going to be similar. Like you're used to the crowd. You're, you're a crowd guy. That's cool. But man, it, it's, it's gotta be something to be on the other side. Cause I've been to the, to, to the world cup race here, you know, and, and, and seen Schiffer and ski and all this and man, it's just, the crowds are wild. And then again, if you're in the country, their stars coming down the, down the hill, then that the crowd's that much louder. Like you can hear it yeah. in the next town, like people yeah. are in it. But you kind of lose that. And I guess that's for any sport, really. Watching on TV isn't quite as cool as being on site. Plus, sure. again, Ben's not wrong. Like it's it's not easy. It, it there is skill involved. There is physical involved. It's it's something to see and to just to watch it and then to hear it. Like even the sounds of the skis whipping by. If you're lucky enough to be up on the fence, man, it's ridiculous. It is great. Um, I could see why you'd want to do it. Like you know, I just have fun skiing. But man, racing that's. That's a whole other thing, man. So you said you haven't had a race on that level for a crowd. And again, part of that is because crowds are cut in half or less, depending on where you might yeah. be in the world. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when When is your next one coming that you think is going to be that big? Like, what's your schedule coming up? Where can yeah, we see that's you? A good, that's a good question. So, I mean, I have a race here in Finland tomorrow and on Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I go down to Bosnia, then I go to Montenegro, Poland, maybe Iran, maybe then there's Serbia, Slovenia. There's like a bunch of places I could go. But a lot of these races are, you know, the kind of races that you would be in to lower your points to get a scholarship to college, right? You'd be an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. That's the level that I'm playing at right now. Gotcha. Um, I don't, from from what I can think of off the top of my head, I don't have an event that I, like, that I can imagine there's going to be a huge crowd at. Unfortunately, they don't do what they do in Formula One, where you have you know the big guys, the celebrities, and then you have like four or three other tiers of races that happen as kind of a lead-up, a warm-up to it, almost like a heavyweight boxing match. It'd be great yeah. if they did something like that. Oh, a, ra a ski racing undercard. Yeah. What a exactly. great idea. Like, what a great idea. You know, everybody always asks, yeah, who's fighting before 
Tyson yeah, or, exactly. or well, we got a Tyson now too, don't we? Tyson Fury. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So for you boxing fans back when we were kids, it was Mike Tyson. Now it's Tyson Fury. Um, in any case, named after him. you know that, right? He was named. After I, him. I did not know that. Yeah. I had no idea. I've seen him fight. People have asked me, do you think Tyson could have taken him back in the day? I was Mike Tyson. I was like, dude, no question. No question. It was yeah. Iron Mike. I'd be scared to face off against Iron Mike now. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's an animal. What do I know? What do I know about boxing? I know a little. I know a little. I know that Logan Paul going up against Mike Tyson is silly, and I hope he has a, his will filled out because that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me get myself back on track here instead of being <laughs> stupid. Um, so again, I did ask you about schedule. So you have a whole ton of stuff coming up. Yep. To um before christmas and then you're gonna um, assume keep competing into the new year is that right yeah i mean the ultimate gift to myself would have this to be to have this all wrapped up with a bow on top for christmas i would love nothing more and to get back to jackson and ski some powder although they've had a slow start to the season um, totally i hope to have it wrapped up by christmas again as i said there's a few race before races before the new year and yeah i'm just super excited to to have it in the bag and then to go back to jamaica as someone that's qualified and to go back to england as someone that's qualified and to have all the pressure off there's a there's a little bit of pressure on things right now sure oh i can only imagine like this is the this is the big stage you know and yeah. That that's that's like the biggest event. I mean, sure, World Cup after World Cup after World Cup or whatever level, you know, anybody might be at. It's it's it, you know, getting that pressure off to be the best that you can be just yeah. for five minutes must be a great breath of fresh air, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so then if you got how how again, now this is coming from someone I watch, I don't know all the technical stuff. So let, let me see. Maybe you kind of answered this already, but so how close are you like to the actual qualifying line there? Like, is, is it far off? Is it hard? Is it within grasp? And what is it like? If you could explain that, I know you started to go into it, but yeah. to, to just in reference to where you are yourself right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that line where I feel like I'm right on that line of having the abilities to qualify. It's a little bit out of my hands now because it's going to be determined by do I get to enough races that favor me a little bit more than the average race so that I'm you know way over that line and my whole foot, not just my pinky toe, is in on the other side. So let's stop with the analogies and let's get a little bit more uh, detailed and direct. So the international yeah. ski for the International Olympic Committee, sorry, <laughs> believes that the Olympics would be better if we had as many nations as possible represented in, in all the disciplines, right? Sure. So what they do to facilitate that is they allow every country to put forward one B standard athlete. A B standard athlete is someone that demonstrates professionalism in their craft, in their discipline, but is unlikely, basically impossible that they'll be qualifying for uh, competing for a medal. But the okay. hope is that just like with the bobsled team, one team qualifies or one athlete qualifies, and then there's a whole legacy of people that say, oh, it is possible for my country to do this. And eventually you find a star, right? And that could be a generational thing. It's not going to be 2026 or in Cortina or, or wherever the Olympics go after that. So sure. what that means for ski racing in giant slalom is 160 fist points. Now, for your listeners that have kids or that uh, race themselves, for the listeners that race themselves, just so you know, 160 fist points is equivalent to 120 when you were younger. Um, 
it uh, if you are a good athlete and you've been ski racing since you were five or six and you've been um, skiing since you were two, now you're 16. At the end of your first season, you should be at about 160 fist points. So what I'm trying to catch, catch up with is 10, 11 years of race experience and about 14 years on skis. But I'm trying to do that in five years on skis and two years racing. Wow. <laughs> and because with an incredibly unflexible, almost 40-year-old body. The yeah. flexibility is a thing. I mean, if you're going to do, it's like the snowboard kids say, go big or go home, man. Yeah. Go for it, man. And if you have the opportunity, that's the brilliant part. Um, you will, I, I, I'm going to guess, I don't know if this is true, but you're going to go down as an inspirational story. And again, I understand why that's why people like to, not just the idea of, you know, competing for Jamaica, the bobsled team competing for Jamaica. It's also didn't think they could do it or no, the world was like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And boom, there it is. They might be looking and you can say, well, I made it. I, yeah. I did it. I, I, I came out here. I kicked as much ass as I could and I did it, you know, and yeah. I hope you make it now. If and again, age could be a factor. Every there's a lot of factors here. If you don't quite make the qualifier cut off, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's a really good question. So one of the things that I think is really good for pushing yourself to do things that are difficult and hard is to not spend too much time thinking about your backup plan or your exit option. When nice. you start to put your mind into that place where you're like, well, if this doesn't work, what should I be doing? And you start to put effort and you start to put a little bit too much thinking into what is the fallback plan, then actually what you do is you guide yourself directly to that fallback plan. So, you know, I'm either going to make it or it's going to be a world of pain. And that's that's where I'm leaving it at right now. Um, but I, as I said, I feel I feel good about uh, about getting there. No, that's that's actually a great way to look at it. Uh, and interesting. A lot of people won't say that either. Like that's yeah. a I, I don't know if it's a unique thought, but it's unique that you actually said it because most people are like, yeah. well, this I have that blah, 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 blah this. Yeah, you it's, came out um, and you were honest. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent. It's kind of weird to quote this book now. It's something that a lot of people in finance used to quote like 20 years ago. Um, there's a book called The Art of War by Sun Tzu, right? Sure. And one of his philosophies was if you were invading an island with your soldiers, the first action that you would take upon the, the boats landing on the beach would be to burn the boats to prove to your soldiers that the only way out of this was to fight and to survive the fight, to win, to be victorious. If you have the boat in the back of your mind, when things get tough or get too hard, it's like, well, the boat's just over there. See you later, guys. Right? And so yeah. that's my philosophy with this. I've burnt the boat. I've thrown everything at this. And I'm either going to do it or I'm going to die by being stabbed by a sword on that beach. But I'm going to go down with my pride. <laughs> I love it. That, kids is some real world advice that you can uh, use. And, uh, you know, I've never actually read the full book, but it's got a lot of great information that you can tie not into the, the, uh, to war, but into things. And like you said, finance, financial people loved that book back in the seventies yeah. and eighties, man. They, and even in the nineties, back when all that money was flying around down there, that is great. I love it. It's all or nothing. And I think that's great, sir. Anything else you want to get into before I let you go for your night? <laughs> you know, the one thing I love to love to clarify, because sure. some people say, you know, as you say, but some people say, are, are you crazy? Like, what is, the, you know, what is the point of doing this? So first mm -hmm. thing I'd like to say is that 
my mission of getting to the Olympics is not trying to take anything away from the Michaelas, the, the Petras, the Bodies, the, the people that did get the opportunity to ski from a very young age and are at the top, the pinnacle of the game, their game. I mean, Michaela is showing up to a World Cup event with about 60 pairs of skis, right? Each slightly oh, yeah. different for slightly different conditions. Her and I, you know, obviously we're not competing directly, but the men that are of that level and I are not competing in the same in the same world, right? They're doing yeah. something that is the pinnacle of the sport. My goal is participation. My goal is to show that, you know, you don't have to have grown up on a mountain or, or had to have started skiing at a young age to get somewhere with this sport. Um, and my goal is that it's never too late to show people that it's never too late. I started at 32. If I can get to the Olympics and someone's out there at the age of 50 and they're saying that, that, that they'll never ski in their lives because it's passed them by. But if I can get to Olympics in six years, then bud, you can pick up a pair of skis and some lessons and have a little bit of fun out there. So really, that's what it's all about. That's awesome, man. I love that. And, and and again, you're right. Like, yeah, we see the names that we know for us here in the U.S. It's Schifrin right now, you know, the queen of slalom skiing. Like, she's unbeatable in many ways. Obviously, she yeah. loses once in a while, but, you know, count the numbers, count the damn globes and everything. Yeah. But here's a man who sees it, has the passion, and is going for it. And that is equally as important, if not more so. And it's a great story because... You know, uh, will you get famous? Probably. I think you're starting to a little bit, but you're not like super famous. And that again, that's not a slight. If anybody thinks I'm slighting him, sure. you're totally misunderstanding. It's like he's 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 doing it for his reasons, not for clout or yeah. you know whatever it is. You know, it's wonderful, dude. I think what you're doing is great. I can't wait until you make it. I'll be watching that over there in Beijing, provided it happens. I mean, we don't know. COVID things are coming out left and right. So who the hell knows, but I'm sure it will like sport is never going away and Benjamin will be there. Thank you, sir. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Benji.ski B E N J I dot S K I link in the description and everything, sir. Enjoy your night over there. Not just evening, but night. It is nine o'clock wow. in Finland um, and enjoy Scandinavia. And if you see the Northern lights, that's awesome too, man. Enjoy. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to head out right now and go have a look. <laughs> Thank nice. you for having me. Thank you, sir. I really do appreciate it. That was awesome. And there you go, everybody. A call in from Finland, seven hours ahead of where I am now. So I'm recording between one and two o'clock in the afternoon. It is um, eight and nine o'clock out there. So let's hope he does get to see or did get to see the Northern Lights. Um, it must be very cool. The few times they said it's been visible from where I am, it's been cloudy and gross out. So I have never seen the Northern Lights. Um, but thank you again to Benjamin Alexander. Really great story. Really fun. Great guy, man. What a great interview. What a fun time to have. And, and get to talk to him especially when he's been so busy like i wasn't kidding i'm like dude get some sleep you know because <laughs> he's been just running and running and running and running and doing all this stuff and uh you know kind of almost a one-man show out there you know he doesn't have huge you know entourages of, of of gear techs and everything else man he's out there he's doing it he's living it. he's getting it done so thank you to him i hope you enjoyed it thank you to you for watching or listening hashtag watching the skier x media podcast um next week should be well, gee, I think I might do a Christmas special. It's not, not going to be all that special, but, you know, we'll talk about Christmas or something maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see. And then after that, you know, I, I, I did say last week that I was going to do something specific for the for the 29th, but now I don't know if I'm going to do it. 
It depends on a couple of things, and that includes an interview this Friday. Yeah, it depends on all that. So we'll see. Just keep tuning in. The best way to do that is subscribe. Rumble and YouTube, it's subscribe, and it's follow and subscribe on the various, the many, many audio-only platforms. I'm sure your favorite is there. Just take a look. Just type in Ski Rex Media Podcast into the search, and uh, you might find the Ski Rex Media Podcast. But I am Tim from the Ski Rex Media Podcast saying stay tuned for next week and the week after and all the podcasts, and stay tuned to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm finally going to be able to start getting back on the mountain as well this season. I have not been back on since last season and big snow is still closed. So I can't get back on that way. But yes, my season out on the snow starts soon and uh, we'll see you out there. Um, I'm going to be all over New England. Should be fun, right? Right. Thank you, everybody. I do appreciate it. Love the fandom. Love the fans. And I will see you guys on the next one. Laters. Laters.